Stephanie Ad Council. Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. A measure of volatility uh, did uh, move uh, lower today. Calm returning to U.S. markets. We had the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ all moving higher on the day today after a week in which we saw the Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ all declining. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. College endowments didn't look all right last year. Some pretty crummy returns across the board, but those endowments, those big piles of money at big schools are getting bigger. Janet Lawrence with us right now, our higher education reporter, with a look at uh, uh, the Trump bump, or whatever we want to call the the rise of the markets in the last uh, year, uh, and what it's meant uh, for the college endowments. Uh, Janet, uh, great to see you as always in person. Here in New York City, yes, definitely. Um, but uh, we, you know, the, the 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 markets were up last year. The endowments didn't benefit from it as much. Well, you have to look at um, their holdings and equities, U.S. equities and and foreign equities. And foreign equities were not as great in the June to June year um, as they were this year. And last year, the return for uh, college endowments, the median return was negative 1%. And this year, it could be pretty, uh, it could be a great year for them. We're seeing preliminary numbers from Wilshire Trust Uniform, Univer- Universe, excuse me, Comparison Service, gains of 13.3% for the biggest funds, those over $500 million, and 11.3% for all endowments. So that's a huge swing compared to last Wait, year. Wait, oh, sorry, last year was? Negative. It was bad. Negative, yes. Uh, a lousy 2016, and it was really the worst year since the recession. And better than 11 percent for this year, uh, for the most recently in the year. And 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 the, the school the endowments work on a June to June year. Yes, the the majority of them do. You've got a couple like Emory and Northwestern who have August end of year, so their fiscal year for 16 was not negative. So break it down a little bit for me. What you know? What what, what did they make changes to their portfolios themselves? Largely not. It you know it's like staring a big ship. It takes a while to make big changes, although we did talk about uh, schools reducing their hedge fund allocation. So that um, may or may not have helped. Um, but really the rise in you know equities. As uh, Tim Jerry, the chief investment officer for the College of Holy Cross, said, the public equity returns have been exceptional for the last year. However, going forward, you know, they're still worried about a low return environment and they're not making, you know, huge plans to spend all this, you know, newfound wealth. Um, and indeed, you know, I was just running through the numbers for the day and and we've got the Dow up 10.6%, the S&P up 9% just for this calendar year, 16.2% for the NASDAQ. Is there a notion of where they're putting their money within the equities markets or, or how they're doing things? Um, it, it just really all depends. Um, the biggest funds have the least um, share in U.S. equities. Um, for example, if you look at colleges with more than a billion dollars, um, they had about 13 percent in U.S. equities and 19 percent in foreign stocks. But a place like Yale, which is a $25 billion fund, the second largest, has only 4 percent in direct U.S. equities. 
we don't know what they're doing, you know, hedge fund related. How important are the biggest schools in terms of sort of swaying these results? The, the Harvards and Yales that have the, these giant piles of money that Stanford, that, you know, so much larger than everybody else. Well, Harvard, as you know, has not really done very well lately. Uh, they have a new, um, a new guy running their fund, Narv Narvikar. Um, he started in June and I'm sorry, he started a year ago and they're going to be looking for, uh, returns. Um, they were the second lowest returns in the Ivy League last year, uh, only, only worse than, uh, Cornell. And, uh, you know, they're making massive changes. And, uh, for the most part, um, you know, they, they keep their allocations, you know, you don't see massive shifts. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll wait to see when we get the individual school results, probably in a couple of weeks, really by the end of October, we'll have a very good sense of the landscape of the, of the biggest schools. Now, and I should add that the smallest schools tend to have the biggest allocation in equities, especially U.S. equities, because, uh, you know, if you have a $50 million endowment, you can't put $25 million in a, you know, in a private equity fund. Right. Um, uh, and, you know, that, that, that size problem is a problem indeed uh, for these guys. I wonder also when you look at um, uh, these numbers themselves, you said the schools didn't report. Talk to me how they report these things, who reports these things, and where these numbers are from. So the public schools, like the University of Michigan, you know, they report them monthly at their Board of Regents meeting. Um, usually uh, the large public schools report their numbers, if not um, once a year, they quarterly or um, or twice a year. Um, and the large, you know, the largest endowments, you know, we, we certainly ask for them. And in this year, I think a lot of schools are going to be happy to share the numbers. And I should add that the, the long-term, the 10-year annualized returns are still pretty dismal. If you look at the 10-year median annualized returns for this year, it was only 5.3%. And if you're looking to spend... Oh, wait, that's the average return or the total return? Uh, that is the median um, total annualized return over 10 years. And, you know, if you think about endowments typically spend right. perhaps 5%, maybe not quite 5%, you throw an inflation in there, and that's not a great <laughs> return. Basically no return. Yeah, and especially, you know, you, you've been lucky that there hasn't been a lot of inflation lately. But, you know, if you're thinking about spending between 4 and 5%, you're still, you know, not That is, that is uh, uh, spending 5% of the endowment, not not the management fees or not 5% of the endowment. Exactly, right. yes, exactly, spending 5%. To, to improve their campuses or to uh, help students uh, go to school, yes, school financially, paying professor salaries, everything. Usually, Which ostensibly is what an endowment is for. Right, and usually when you're building a new building, you're raising money for that, and that's typically not – you know, coming huge amounts are not coming out of the endowment. You know, it's a lot of you know running the running the business, and a lot of it come is financial aid. What do we know about uh, sort of the people running the endowments and sort of what these returns might mean for them professionally, whether it's getting paid as they work for these endowments or moving on because they've got some good numbers now in their back pocket? Well, it's interesting you ask that because we've seen a lot of turnover in the last year. A lot of uh, chief investment officers have left from uh, schools ranging from Case Western Reserve and Emory, um, Utimco, you know, the, the Texas endowment, which is the third largest. Uh, we've seen a ton of movement. Uh, Berkeley is still looking. Uh, for a new CIO, uh, Iguash unit in St. Louis is still looking for a new CIO. So, uh, you know, I think perhaps the last year, uh, caused some, some ripples in those, uh, folks who are running endowments. Um, what's that search like? I mean, who, who tends to get those jobs? I mean, 
Berkeley, I would imagine it's a job that would be well suited for someone who's uh, accustomed to getting paid a lot of money, might live in the Bay Area and do a lot of radio, for example. That seems like the right kind of thing <laughs> for a high-paying job in the Bay. No, who, who, who gets these jobs? Um, it's a good question. Um, Dartmouth's new chief investment officer uh, was a member of the investment committee, um, and she uh, she worked for a private foundation. Um Cornell's new chief investment officer, I guess he's not so new. He's also a member of the investment committee, and he ran the International Monetary Fund's um, endowment. Um, so typically they're they're moving up. So what you're saying is typically not radio hosts. I got it. Janet Lauren, so good to see you. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio.